The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they went and saw where Jesus was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, Are you Simon, the son of John? You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. One thing's for certain, uh, every single human being on the face of this earth, including each one of us, you and I, everyone, everyone is searching. Everyone, their heart's searching for something. Even if they're in a state of, of, of just sorrow or, 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 or even a state of, you know, pray for those that may be in depression of some form, they're searching. Even those who have the greatest of honors and have everything around them, truly in the depths of their heart when a moment of silence comes and they find themselves, whether in their massive homes or their multiple homes or after the honors are done and they find a bit of a silence, their hearts too are searching. I think in the past 15 years for myself as a, as a priest where I've, I've experienced this the most and there's no doubt many of you who find yourself through your line of work traveling, you've had maybe similar experiences of this. But one of the moments where you can run into people where people kind of open up their heart in a way and you can see that people are searching is in airports. And in airports where there's like a gate, I can talk to someone at my gate and then I can jump in my plane or I can talk to someone here and then I can go here and everybody's kind of hustling and bustling and going. So there's like, there's like a small investment of time where someone can open their heart up if they're really searching, but then they don't have to make themselves too vulnerable and they can get out of the way. Oftentimes you may have had that experience on a plane. You're on a plane and you're reading a book and someone looks at your book, what are you reading? And then a conversation ensues. And maybe, just maybe, that conversation goes a little deeper. Or maybe you find yourself and it just is gonna train wreck your weekend and it's a Friday and there's a weather delay or a mechanical delay with the plane. You're like, I gotta go get something to eat. You go off, get yourself to eat. And then all of a sudden there's one of those aha moments where in some way, shape or form, you spoke to someone and you were able to give some form of hope or some form of encouragement to someone who in a way, in a simple way, knew they were jumping on a plane and probably never seen you again and they could open their heart up to you. 
I found that a lot when I go into airports and I haven't done it as much as I did in the past, wearing a collar. Wearing a collar, sometimes the plane goes down and you're there, you're a priest, you're there, you walk in to get a bite to eat and all of a sudden you're sitting there and you get all kinds of different looks. Like one time on an elevator, I got to look like, are you one of those? And I said, yeah, what's one of those? One of those priests, I've only seen you on TV. Are you real? So, but those encounters. Now, oftentimes, the ones that are a little more deeper are the ones like back in the day when I was flying back to Rome, Italy for a pilgrimage, and I'm there and it's a long, long fight and you're standing up and talking and you're moving and everybody's, right? And oftentimes there's really beautiful conversations and not judging the other person, but being open, Holy Spirit, what do you want of this encounter? Oftentimes I've found a lot of joy before even going to the airport praying. Holy Spirit, you're sending me, I'm going somewhere. I think I know what I'm going for, but you may have a different plan. I pray for that person that I may meet that in some way, shape, or form, you wanna use me. I don't know how my day's gonna go, but I hope my day entrusting it to you will be for your glory. And in those moments, you're having a conversation on a plane and you're talking. And what I found when it starts to go deep, I, I like to ask, a, I would ask a simple question like, are you happy? Are you happy? And you ask that question, someone say, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, there's a difference between happiness and fulfillment. A life that's fulfilling. In other words, a, a, a life that has a purpose to it, a meaning to it, or something beyond just what you do. Are you happy? Are you fulfilled? And oftentimes you find what happens a lot of times is there's, there's, a, there's a crossroads in people's lives where their, their life is oriented towards, at times, having and acquiring, and it's about things and what you can get and building up that barn and doing that and honors and all that, having and acquiring or being and becoming, a focus on being. How can I become the best version of myself? How can I be a person of virtue? How can I do being and becoming? Doesn't mean people can't have things and pursue being and becoming, but the person who's, who's striving to be the best version of self, it may, life may not be all about the things. But the people that have found most unhappy and most fulfilled in life, they've been tracking and looking for and searching and trying to find fulfillment in the things versus truly investing in the relationships that they have in their life. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we see in the gospel today, we see two of Jesus' apostles, one unnamed, that's John, the beloved disciple, doesn't name himself in the gospel, but he's with Andrew. And they're searching. And they were with John, the Baptist, who was searching. And at one moment, John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God. And they're like, really? What's that mean? Go follow him. That took a lot of humility of John just to say he had all these followers around him. He goes, no, don't follow me, follow him. Follow him. And John had that courage and that strength and that conviction and that faith to be able to say it at that moment in time. But we also know later in John's life, it wasn't so easy when he found himself in the darkness of the prison of Herod. 
And there he was imprisoned, and some of his followers came to him, and John was in a kind of moment of crisis because he was in darkness and didn't see a lot of light, and he's like, what's going on here? And John the Baptist was searching, and he said to those who came to see him, go talk to my cousin. Go talk to Jesus and ask him if he is the one to come, or should we look for another? And so they went. And they came back later and they say, hey, John, we got to tell you, I know you're in the darkness, but hey, the blind can see, the lame can walk, the leopards are cleansed, the deaf can hear. And John was able to see with the eyes of faith in his heart and say, yes, I'm following the right person. And he laid down his ultimate, laid down his life. Searching. So Andrew and John found themselves, that woman in the life, in the today of their life, searching. And John the Baptist said, go follow him. What did Jesus do? It's so beautiful to understand the person of Jesus Christ. It's like, man, it'd be great if Jesus like, came to me and spoke to me. He can through the living word of God. The word is eternal. The voice may change, but it's the same Jesus. Hebrews 13, 8, the same Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same Jesus, the living word of God, that met Samuel in the temple in that first reading in the Old Testament. Eli was much older. He was a disciple. Samuel was a disciple of Eli. And he was sleeping where? In a tent near what? The Ark of the Covenant. What was in the Ark of the Covenant? The staff of Moses given to Aaron. The manna that fell down from heaven into the desert. And the tablets from the law given to Moses. He was sleeping close to that, the presence of God in that. My brothers and sisters of Christ, we come here, we have our tabernacle, we have something greater than that there. We don't have the staff, we have the good shepherd. We don't have the manna that came down from heaven that our fathers ate and died. We have the bread of life, Jesus Christ, truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, sacramentally present here on earth in our midst. And we have not only just tablets that have the law on them, the law's written on our hearts. We have the one who came to fulfill the law and show us how to live the law out of love, live a relationship. So Samuel found, found himself there and it was the same God that was speaking to his young heart that turned around to John and Andrew and said, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Jesus Christ sees us. He sees you. He sees me. He loves you. Loves me. And he loves everybody out here in our city and everybody in the world that he created. And he's looking at you today as he's looking at me because something brought you here. Some search in your life brought you here and it is so good that you are here. And he's looking at you and he's loving you and he's saying to you in the today of your life, as he said to Samuel, as 
he said to Andrew and John? He sees you and he asks you, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Man, Jesus is so good. Make these relationships with the gospels, with his life. We know him when we let him speak to us through his living word. Let's do a fast forward to the road to Emmaus. Luke 24, after he had died in his glorified body, unrecognized by his followers, and the downcast disciples are walking to Emmaus, and Jesus comes to meet them where they are and ask them a question. What are you talking about? That was Jesus' first question to them. He didn't jump into their midst and say, hey, why weren't you at the foot of the cross? Hey, you sinner, what are you doing? He said, what are you talking about? I wanna know what's in your heart. And those on the road to Emmaus, after the resurrection of the Lord, they were downcast and they said, are you the only foreigner that has no idea what happened to this Jesus? We dedicated three years of our life to him. They killed him and it ruined our whole life. We're walking back to our home and it's over, it's done. And Jesus, you know what he said? He didn't correct him, he didn't finger point at me. He says, tell me about it. Jesus wants to know what is in your heart. Tell him about it. Tell him about it. But then he's gonna point us to himself. He's gonna say, come and you will see. The eyes of your heart open my living word and you will see where the meaning of life is. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We're searching. I want to leave you with a little, little story of a young man in high school when I had the grace of being a high school chaplain. It was many years ago, and the young man's name was Reuben. He went off and played Division I football in another state. He was from another state. He had a rough life. It was tough on him. And I found as a high school chaplain, the most important students to draw close to without ignoring in any way, shape, or form the other ones were the ones that were the ones who were not Catholic. The ones who were searching because they were friends with other ones who grew up in the Catholic faith and found themselves at a Catholic school. If I could spend time with them in the lunchroom and on retreat and get to know them, it was helpful. If I stiff-armed them in any way, it would impact their friends and make it hard. So when going to the cafeteria, sometimes the first stop would be with the ones who weren't Catholic. The ones who were searching, that you knew in a different way they were searching, but just to know what was important to you. Hey, what do you have going on today? What's important in your life? Questions. This young man came up to me one day in the cafeteria and he, he was being sincere about it. He came up to me and he said, uh, on a little sidebar, he's like, Father, we have our game days and I have a hard time finding a place to sleep. You think it'd be okay if I slept in the chapel? And he said it sincerely. I said, Reuben, I can't think of a better place to sleep than close to Jesus in the chapel. 
can't think of a better place. Just don't bring a tent, don't bring the whole team, don't make a big, I mean, just if you wanna go there and be there with our Lord and take a nap before your game, do that. Forgot about it, three weeks later, we have a home game, I'm sitting there in the front row in the chapel, I'm there praying and all of a sudden in the back I hear, and I'm like, what is that? I look over my shoulder and there he was with his hoodie up like this, sleeping and waking up and I'm like, all right, Richard, do not look back, keep looking at Jesus, Fake like you're praying because you're totally distracted. I mean, I was like faking. I'm like, okay, I'm praying, but boy, what's going on back there? I wanted to look so bad, but I was like, all right, Lord, shower down your grace on this kid. He's a great kid. He's had a tough life, all this stuff. We just need to sow some seeds in his heart. He needs to know he's loved, all right? So just praying for him. And he gets up and you hear him rustling. I wanted to look back, but I didn't. And then he came around behind me, tapped on my shoulder, just tapped on my shoulder like that. And I turned around and looked at him and he had the most beautiful wonderful smile. There was no exchange of words. He was in the presence of the Lord like Samuel. He was there. He had experience through his smile. You could see he felt loved. He felt welcome. He felt something. So hopefully that was a moment in his life that sowed a seed. And I don't know if he's a Catholic now. I don't know where he is now. But hopefully he had a, a positive experience of Christ that somehow in some shape or form the Holy Spirit can help that young man and I still pray for him. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? I invite you and I take up the same challenge this week. Imagine if everything that we did, we let Jesus speak to our heart as you go into this meeting Monday, what are you looking for? As you go off to school and you go onto the playground, what are you looking for? As you get with your team and you're getting ready for your sports, what are you looking for? Let Jesus speak to your heart. Let him invite you to come and see, to enter into a relationship with him. He's gonna invite you back to himself. There's ways of this parish beside this powerful Sunday experience where you can come back and be with Jesus. Maybe it's a five minute stop off after work and just taking a nap in the chapel. Maybe it's praying your rosary and before you start every single reflection you ask, what are you looking for as you reflect on the mysteries of Christ's life? Because they're there. What are you looking for? Maybe it's for a, a, a young person in confirmation preparing for that. You muster up the courage and you say, I'm gonna go on the confirmation retreat with the hope of having an experience of Christ. My brothers and sisters Christ, the longest journey for man, woman, boy, and girl to make in this life is not from the earth to the moon. It's from the head to the heart. Jesus wants to invite us into a relationship with him. How might I do this week? This week, How might I let him speak to my heart? What are you looking for? And how might I take up the challenge when he invites me to come and see? Amen.